All right, very good. This is uh, having a little hard time here. That's okay. Hey, there we go. Okay. Let's see how it works here. All right, so memory verse. Memory verse. And then uh, let's, let's begin here with this interesting scene. I think it's, it's fascinating to, um, to listen to the people who confronted Jesus as they, as they just began to know him. Uh, several people confronted him, and I think as they got to know him more, they probably felt a little bad about that. Uh, here is the Messiah. Well, here we have a scene where uh, a lady confronts Jesus. Um, it's in a small village, one of the, the kind of bedroom communities of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem's packed, overflowing, and, and so a lot of the surrounding villages and towns would overflow when, uh, during the high feast days. So this is probably during one of those times, and Jesus may have spent a time, uh, quite a bit of time teaching, or along the way, he gets to this house and uh, kind of uh, sits down in probably the, the open courtyard. I'm not going to get into a lot of the details for the sake of time, but probably an open courtyard, you'd have several rooms surrounding one main courtyard where a lot of the, the cooking would happen in these houses. And so this is a decent size house. Uh, several rooms around this one open courtyard, and the courtyard fills up and fills up. And Jesus starts teaching uh, people, and more and more people, and 15, 20, 30 people, and now it's packed. And there's one lady, the, the lady of the house that lives there with her brother and sister, and, and she's just taking care of everybody. And, and she's taking orders, and she's taking coats, and she's washing feet, making sure the feet are washed, and she's uh, taking care of... Uh, supplies and preparation for food, all these preparations, and she's hosting the hostess with the mostess. And then she looks over there as the crowd still grows, and she sees her sister. And what is her sister doing? Nothing. Sitting down. And she is vexed, and she goes about, I'm going to just have to work harder. And she works harder, and she fills her, with all her strength, she's sweating. And she's like, why is my sister like this? She's always been like this. Getting out of jobs, getting out of tasks. Sees her still sitting, and she just can't put up with it anymore. Jesus, can't you tell I am working so hard, and Mary is just sitting at your feet where the men are supposed to be. What, make her get up and help me. And that's exactly how she confronts Jesus. And we know this scene, Martha. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has let me do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. I can't seem to get through with her. What does Jesus say? Martha, Martha, you are worried, bothered by so many things. Only one thing is necessary. Stop taking care of everything. There's just one thing really necessary going on here. And Mary has chosen that good part. 
that will not be taken away from her. I don't know what happens. I have a feeling Martha just kind of sits down. I hope so. Let's a lot of these other things that are unnecessary fall to the side and takes in the one thing is necessary. I don't know how, how long your to-do list is today. It may be very long. Uh, you, right now as I say this, you may be thinking, no, don't go to the to-do list. Uh, there, there are just so many things that you, you, know, you know you should be getting to and you just haven't and coming back. Well, well, Jesus says, out of all those to-do lists, there's one necessary thing. You can eat, you can sleep, you can drink, you can work, you can play, you can do all kinds of things, but you know, out of all the things that you could do, one thing is necessary. And that is turning to Jesus and listening to his word, sitting at his feet, giving him our attention. Many strings tugging at our heart's list, tasks become troubling, all that insist, time and attention hard to resist, sand is sinking, time is fleeting, always bringing burdens to carry, but one thing is necessary, listening to our glorious Lord, speaking through his holy word. Heaven help us grow and fill us, that we look more like Jesus by his words abiding in us. One thing is necessary. And that's what we're going to look at today, this teaching of Jesus. We're going to look at it here. All right, this is kind of in our series. I'm just going to just mention this uh, to help you, because today we are going to look at all the teaching of Jesus in one sitting. Okay? So this is going to be a lot of data, but it will be helpful for you. And then next Sunday, we're going to look at one element, just one passage, right? And let that just show us kind of the representation of what his teaching was like. Um, and, and try to also fit the teaching in, in the, the timeline of his life. And so we're going to do that next Sunday. But today we're going to try to just survey, and, and I have, you know, there's a lot of notes there. A lot of that we're just going to read, okay? So we're going to go pretty quickly through this and then just dive down into a few of the texts to help us understand who this teacher is. Who this teacher is, okay? So three points that you see in your notes there. One primary fact, three important questions, and one primary application, okay? And that's where we'll end, that one application. One primary fact, and I want this to to just ring home to you today, Jesus was a teacher. Jesus was a preacher, okay? That's one primary fact that we should all take home with us today. Jesus taught. And so you have all of these references to him teaching uh, all throughout the scriptures, but he, he was called the teacher. I think I counted about 50 times that he was called teacher, rabbi. Uh, he was called the teacher, and, and so even Nicodemus very early came to him and saying, we know that you are a good teacher come from God. Right? So all the way back from the beginning, uh, Jesus is called a teacher. But then you, as you read the Gospels, you read all kinds of verses just like this. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. 
healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So we're going to take two weeks on that uh, when we're done surveying his teaching. Um, but, but just like this is just describing Jesus's normal practice. He's going all throughout Queens to, you know, he's going to Regal Park. He's going to Kew Gardens, to Forest Hills, to, to Briarwood, to Kew Gardens Hills. Like he's going to all these little villages, all these little places, and he's going into the synagogues and he's teaching. This is just his practice. This is a summary of what Jesus did. He was a gifted teacher in his manner. Of course, the creator of mind, mouth, and even the concept of communication would be a gifted teacher and preacher. Jesus taught in parables, used illustrations, word pictures that, that applied the truths he was teaching to common, everyday uh, pictures of life, like the field and uh, the agricultural society, birds, flowers. Uh, he used pictures like that all the time. Jesus taught with humor. I don't know if you knew that. He used humor. Uh, he used zeal, emotion in his preaching to exhort people at times to follow and obey. Jesus often taught with questions, asking questions, answering questions. What's interesting is if you sit down and read through the Gospels, you recognize that he developed his teaching as it went based on where he was, who he was speaking to, and the time within those three years. So there were some times that Jesus actually refrained from teaching some truths because the, the folks that he was talking to were not yet ready to receive them. Other times, he just let, it have, let them have it with two barrels. Some things he changed. You see him teaching the disciples not to carry certain things at the beginning of his ministry. Then toward the end, he says, okay, go ahead and carry those things. Be prepared. As he taught, he unveiled the truths about the kingdom. So Jesus taught, okay? Um, but the Gospels, I'm going to just, just take a moment with this. The Gospels are all about what Jesus taught, Right? The Gospels, if you're going to summarize the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are all about what Jesus taught. So if you have your Bible, just kind of open up to Matthew and, and then flip over to John, and you can find what I'm talking about. This is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and this whole series is a harmony, or trying to teach in 15 weeks what those pages share about Jesus, those Gospel writers. kind of gives us a three-dimensional picture of Jesus, because they're four biographies, from four intimate followers that, that from the time period who share who Jesus is. So what, what we want to do is just understand the teaching about that. The Gospels are all about that. And I could illustrate this this way. Um, what do you know about what Jesus taught? I think a lot of folks are on this level, the meme level. And honestly, if you ask someone on the street, do you, do you love Jesus? Do you like Jesus? They'll probably say, I, you know, he was a great teacher. I just love what he taught. You know, I'm not a Christian. I'm not for religious. I'm not, I'm not very Christian, but I kind of dig what Jesus said. Um, so they do things like this. And so this may be your level where you just see on Facebook different things posted or your Instagram feed. Oh, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. That sounds great. It does sound great. Especially if others are doing to you, right? You could be really selfish. And everyone else would be doing to you as they, you want them done to you, whatever. Um, so a lot of folks are just on that level, I would say. 
Then we could say the memo level. I think a lot of Christians are in this category where you've perhaps read through the Gospels once or maybe even twice in your life and you've kind of surveyed. Okay, there, there, I see the words in red. I kind of know the general sense of what Jesus said. But I don't know that, that what I'm going to do in the next 23 minutes is, is get to this level where I provide a map of a mountain. Um, where, where we're able to survey all of it. And this is not a page. This is the, the Mount Everest. This is the Himalayan region. right? This is the Catskills. Right? So, so we need a map. Uh, a lot of times we just take a tree out, and that's the meme that you show on Facebook, right? But that's not what we need, because that's not all that Jesus said. He said a whole lot. What I want us to do by the time we leave is just get a big picture of the map of everything that Jesus said to try to be comprehensive, okay? You ready for that? All right, if not, just lay down and fall asleep. No, no, don't fight it. No, please fight it. This is so important. It's so helpful for you. It's, it takes discipline, okay? This is not a Seinfeld episode, okay? This is going to take a little bit of concentration to understand, to try to get in front of you all that Jesus said, but it will be so helpful if you do the discipline of following it, okay? So please try. All right, so this is what I did here uh, leading up to today. Um, this is 120 pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and I highlighted in green the areas where Jesus taught. Isn't that fascinating? This is all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at all that green. Um, it's a huge chunk of it. In fact, you see in your notes there, this is 120 pages. This, this takes up, because what I did is I just kind of took this out of that document, and I just focused on the teaching of Jesus. You know how many pages that is? 80 pages. Right? Small print, 8.5 by 11. Out of 120 pages of the Gospels, 80 pages are what Jesus taught. That's what I'm saying. This is so important for you to understand the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have to recognize it's all about Jesus teaching and preaching. Now, everything he did was teaching. As he fed the 5,000, it's teaching things, right? And, and I try to even pick out some of that, where, where he rebukes the devil. That's him teaching the devil, right? We may not think of that in that way, but it really is. Okay, so, so a big chunk of what we have in our Gospels is entirely Jesus teaching, um, communicating. And really what we could say is, God's message to us today as a church is the message of Jesus. We really need to think through, what did Jesus say? And am I listening to it? Okay, so let's move from here to these three important questions to help us dig through what did Jesus say? Okay, you, you coming along? All right, let's do it. Let's try. What did Jesus teach? I'm sorry, what's the first question? Who did Jesus teach? Right. Who did Jesus teach? Secondly, what did Jesus teach? And, and with that, that's most of your notes there, and we're just going to read through it pretty quickly. Okay, so don't get nervous. You'll be out by lunch, at least by dinner, if you had lunch. Uh, what did Jesus teach, and when did Jesus teach? I'm going to mainly give that, actually, for time's sake. I'm going to, I'm going to let you try to work on that, and we'll, we'll kind of come together and talk about it next week and see how you do. 
but, but I'll give some, some hints and some clues. Um, so who did Jesus teach, what did Jesus teach, and when did Jesus teach? Uh, so let's just survey those, those quick questions. Um, it's very important to understand who Jesus is teaching. As, as you open your Bible and you look at this, these words in red, right? He, he does change some of the message based on who he, he's referring to and when he's talking. And so you have these different groups. Uh, this is not necessarily comprehensive, but I tried to be, okay? So, so you have this first group, the primary group, would be these 12 disciples. Um, and and uh, the way I did this, actually, this is organized by the majority of the content would be to this group, and then, then to this group, and then to this group, and then to this group, okay? So the majority of the content that you find in the Gospels are delivered to these 12 disciples, but then there were other disciples too. Mary, Martha, Lazarus. We just referred to one of those teachings. James and John's mother gets a little sermon. The woman at the well gets a whole chapter. I can't wait to meet her in heaven. Worshipful women. The 70. You have these discourses. Uh, then the second big category. And you can understand why Jesus would change the type of instruction he gives based on who he's talking to. Because here he has these 12 followers, and then look who he has over here. Pharisees. These people are rejecting Jesus, as we saw last week, in any way they can. Providing as much opposition, often trying to kill him, to stone him. But that's not the way all of them were. The Pharisees, you have Nicodemus, very receptive, eventually becomes a believer. The rich young ruler, hard-hearted Pharisees, and then we'll call open-hearted Pharisees. And so as you follow this, you recognize that a lot of times Jesus is appealing to the Pharisees for them to repent and follow him, kind of opening it up like, please do. And then sometimes he recognizes they're hard-hearted and he's just got to let them have it. <laughs> and they're not going to respond in faith. Then a lot of things he's sharing to the crowds. Crowds in Jerusalem, crowds in Galilee, crowds in Samaria. And then you have these two other aspects, a rejecting crowd, and then a receiving crowd. One crowd often is positive, and then sometimes they're very negative. Then lastly here you have these Sadducees and other religious leaders, right? John the Baptist's disciples, Pilate and the high priest, then you have sometimes, again, where Jesus is teaching Satan. Uh, now, that was just the very beginning, and he's teaching demons. Um, that would be the, the, most, uh, the fewest references. Um, but here's just the people. It, it's helpful for us to understand that as Jesus is teaching, we've got to recognize, okay, who is he talking to? And so as you open your Bible and you're reading, recognize, okay, where is this in the timeline of Jesus' ministry, and who are the people that are listening in what area are they listening? Okay, very helpful for us. Okay, now we get to the big one. And I, I need uh, a couple folks to pass out a few more handouts. And we're, this is just going to be helpful for you to study on your own. Bob and Collins, would you guys uh, grab these and, and, uh, and pass these out? Um, yeah, okay. So, so this week... I took that, that um, uh, the, the 80 pages of what Jesus taught and, and summarized them here in front of you, okay? Uh, so we're going to take a minute with this. 
Uh, we're not going to read it all. Don't worry. Um, but let me just, uh, once you have it in front of you, and now let me just say, those of you who are joining online, we did put this up, if I'm not mistaken, we put this up on the website as well, nycgrace.org backslash TV, and, and you can download the PDF there. And if we run out, you can download the PDF uh, later. So what this is, is it just goes through, I've, I've never seen this before, okay? So I just hope you recognize this is a valuable tool, um, but you may not keep paper, so if you want, I can email you the PDF. Um, but what this is, is a harmony of the teaching of Jesus throughout the four Gospels, throughout the four Gospels. Okay, so let me just show you where the four Gospels are. Um, it starts out in Matthew, right? So it starts out here in Matthew, the teaching of Christ in Matthew. And then on the, actually that's all the front and the back of one sheet. You go to the second piece of paper, toward the top you see the teaching of Christ in Mark. And then the teaching of Christ in Luke. And then toward the bottom of that, the teaching of Christ in John. But the reason why Mark is so short and Luke is so short and, and John is, is a little shorter is what I did is, is I tried to uh, not just repeat it over and over, but just show one time that Jesus teaches. Okay, so Matthew's the longest because uh, the teaching of Christ in Matthew here, in parentheses, I put the parallel passages in Mark and Luke. So really, Mark is totally covered in the Gospel of Matthew, though Mark may bring out a few things that are a little different as he tells the teaching. Um, but Mark is short, uh, but, but all of the elements of Jesus' teaching, or at least the occasions that you would find in Matthew, you find in, in Mark. I'm sorry, in Mark you find in Matthew. Okay, so real quick, the teaching of Christ in Matthew, what we have here in this column is when Jesus taught it, okay, the occasion. So you find him, very first, teaching Satan that he's not going to win in the desert, right? So you have the answer to the question, when did Jesus teach, or what, can, what occasion? And then who? What is the audience that Jesus taught, okay? Um, and then this third column here, the fourth column, I guess, the last column, would be what did Jesus teach, the big idea of that passage, the big idea of that passage, all right, so you have this uh, Jesus teaching here, Matthew, Mark, and Luke in Galilee to the disciples and the crowds, the good news of the message of faith and repentance throughout Galilee. And so you have this summary statement of Jesus' teaching. What I'm going to suggest is where I have stars here are nine primary occasions of Jesus' teaching in his public ministry. Okay, so you see there are three stars on the front. You move over, there's three on the back. And then on the Gospel of John, on the, the back of the second sheet, are three more stars. And I'm just highlighting that as kind of big occasions, big sermons, Big discourses that everybody recognizes this is very important in Jesus' life and ministry. So he's teaching every day. These are probably discourses that he gave often whenever going into an area. Maybe Peter could repeat it verbatim. We know that through the Holy Spirit, he does verbatim for us in the Gospels as he shares it with Mark or Matthew as he takes some notes and, and later records it in the Gospel of Matthew here. 
Um, and so we have the Holy Spirit giving that to us, these teachings. But, but I, what I'm saying is here, there's, there's several major times uh, of Jesus' teaching. Okay, so you can take that and, and, and save it for yourself for some other time. Uh, or just throw it away and let me send you a PDF. But I think that's a helpful tool as you're reading through the Gospels to help recognize where this fits in Jesus' life and ministry. Okay, so that's a lot of information, right? That is a lot of information. So what I'd like us to do is just categorize that a little bit, okay? Uh, so that's what this is. Uh, it, it really is all about, all that information is all about the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. So what did Jesus teach? He taught the good news of the kingdom, the good news about the king, and the good news about the followers of the king. All right, and so if you tried to summarize all of this, the 80 pages of Jesus' teaching, you could really try to summarize all in those three big ideas. The good news about the kingdom. Why is this all about the king? Right? What, what title of Jesus kind of tips us off to why that's a big deal? Jesus what? The Christ. Every time you read Jesus Christ in your Gospels, it's tipping you off to the fact that he is the anointed king. It's just all throughout your Gospels. This is so important. And then you read, the kingdom of heaven is here. Right? The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom is here. This is all talking about Jesus as king, as Messiah, coming and claiming his own. So you have, first of all there, the good news of the kingdom. Follow him. Believe and repent. Follow him as king and have eternal life with his father in his house. All right, so it's not just, uh, it's not just the king as far as like, oh, he's so aloof and like the king of England. I may never meet the queen. She only comes out once and waves. Uh, that's not what this is. this is. This is actually the king coming and saying, come into my house. This is what it's all about. I, uh, the kingdom of heaven is here, and this king is so gracious that he's offering you a place in his house, not just his cabinet. He wants you to be one of his children. That's the message of the Gospels. The king has come, and he wants you to come into his house. First idea there, entering the kingdom is easy. Entering the kingdom is easy. You need to enter as a child. Matthew 18, 1 through 5, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called to him the biggest giver of the bunch, the most faithful church attender of the bunch. Who did he call them? A child. A child. He called a child to him and said, Truly, truly, unless you are converted, turn and become like children you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to enter this kingdom unless you come in simple faith like a little child and say, the king's here! I trust Jesus! You enter through Christ, through faith in Christ's forgiveness. Through faith in Christ's forgiveness. Christ the king has authority to forgive sins. You see that repeated over and over. 
He came to reach sinners. You have a whole chapter there that talks about the lost coin, the lost sheep. His forgiveness is based on his shed blood. His shed blood, Matthew 26, 26 to 35, along with other passages. We need, this is a repeated theme, we need internal cleansing and forgiving even if the outside looks clean. Matthew 15, 1 to 20, Mark 7 and Luke 18. He forgives the humble person who cries out in faith for forgiveness, not the proud, self-righteous one. Repeated theme. You have the proud Pharisee that says, I'm religious, accept me based on my good works. And then you have the poor sinner who just says, forgive me. And he's forgiven and justified. So forgiveness is given to those who turn in faith to Jesus as their Savior who died in their place. Find John 3.16, right? Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him would not, have, would, ha- would not perish but have eternal life. The Father is seeking these followers. But you know what? It does, goes beyond that because entering the kingdom is easy, but following the king is difficult. Um, and so you see that all over the, the text. He calls us to leave all and follow him. This is not just, okay, I'll try Jesus. This is, no, I am placing all my future entirely on Jesus and I'm resting myself on him. I'm turning, I'm repenting, and I'm trusting in Jesus. Then thirdly there, opposing the king is futile. Pharisees, the self-righteous, will never be forgiven for their blasphemy. There's regular debates and confrontation with these Pharisees and religious leaders that climax there in Matthew chapter 21 to 23. And then he shares that those who reject his rule as king, they will not enter the home, but they will perish eternally in hell. This is what Jesus teaches. This is not my opinion. This is just what Jesus teaches. There's the rich man and Lazarus. It's not based on your economic well-being. It's not based on your religious rituals. It's based on your faith in Jesus. Eternal heaven, eternal hell. Well, then you look at the good news about the king. The good news about the king. I'm just going to read this quickly, though I would love, I would love to spend, maybe we'll do this one day in 10 years. We'll, we'll actually give this series a lot more time. But uh, just listen to this and worship the Lord. The good news about the king, he is victor over Satan. He is Lord of the Sabbath. He is zealous that we worship God properly in spirit and truth. He is the fulfillment that Jewish and Gentile people will worship the Lord together. Isaiah says that. He has authority to forgive sins. He is the fulfillment of the law. He has come to die and rise again from the dead. And as we saw, that kind of develops and halfway through the Gospels, he starts to teach that more clearly. And there's another one of the rebukes. Peter says, don't say that, Jesus. And he says, get behind me, Satan. He will return to judge those who do not follow him and reward those who do follow him with entrance into his father's house. He is preparing a place for his followers in his father's house. He is the good shepherd who gives his life up for the sheep, and the sheep follow him. He is the bread of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light of the world. He is one with the Father. He is the resurrection and the life. 
He is the vine that gives life to all who abide in him in prayer. He sends the Holy Spirit as our comforter. This is good news about the king. Right? This is a king we can trust. He's not a king who will abuse us. He's a king that we will follow, will love us unto death. And then you have what we would say maybe the moral teachings of Jesus there. The good news, lastly, about the followers of the king. The good news about the followers of the king. And we'll wrap it up here in just a minute. Um, they must repent and believe the good news of the king and his kingdom. This is the, the followers. In order to be a follower, you need to repent. You need to turn from your own way, turn to Jesus' way, and follow him. That's what follow him means. Turning from Tim, turning from my self-righteousness, turning from my sin, and following Jesus. They must repent and believe the good news of the king and his kingdom. They must obey from their heart. Not just the outward ritual, but, but, but the, the heart change. They must, this is... They must not be anxious, but believing. They must rely on God in prayer. And so this is the new teaching of the kingdom. This is the kind of our, our Magna Carta. This is our constitution as the Lord shares this teaching with us. They must forgive one another. They must lead by serving one another. They must humbly take the lesser place of honor. They must love one another. Even those who mistreat them, and would not normally be considered their neighbor, they must love. They must patiently serve him faithfully until he comes back. And then lastly, they must make more followers of Jesus through baptizing and teaching all that he has commanded. And so there it is. We're left with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're summarizing it today, but that's kind of our guidebook. Now what we're to do, what you and I are to do, is to say, let's follow him. Same thing Peter did. Same thing Nathaniel did. Same thing Philip did. We're just followers of Jesus. We're not trying to make someone become a Baptist, make someone to become this X, Y, or Z religion or denomination. That's not it at all. It's this personal thing. There is a creator God. Totally reasonable conclusion. This, to this creator God loves you, and wants to talk with you. Reasonable conclusion, because he made us all the way we like to talk. The talking is Jesus. Jesus has come to earth, and he has revealed to us this message. This message that says, follow me to heaven. Follow me to the Father's house. Leave all your care, and follow me there. Follow me. And so I'd, I'd like to just summarize this with one verse, and that's Matthew 4, 19 and 20. Matthew 4, 19 and 20. If you're in Matthew, you could turn over there. Uh, Matthew 4, 19 and 20. I think this is, is uh, indicative to, to Jesus' whole message because it finds, we find in it this primary message of following the king, uh, but also we find here his, uh, his faithful followers who actually do this. And who are writing these things to us. Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon who was called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Alright, so this is Jesus appealing to us today. And I like this because it shows us that often, 
Often he does not change our occupation. Following Jesus doesn't mean you're no longer an attorney or you're no longer a a taxidermist or whatever it is you do. Um, He doesn't change your occupation. He changes the object of your occupation. Do you see what he does with them? He says, says, leave your nets and now I'm going to make you fishers of men. Right? And, and so all, he, he just totally revolutionizes what we have in our hands, our skills, and we're no longer doing that for ourselves. We're doing that for Jesus. And he commands us to follow him in that way. This is not a light teaching. Uh, Jesus commands us to follow him. Okay, well, let's wrap this all up. I'm, I'm going to just mention this. Um, the, the when did Jesus teach? And, and I would uh, say this, if you can, let's see, do I have that? I may not. I have it on your notes there. Uh, I have it real small right here. Um, I, I have there in your notes the, the first, the, the nine major discourses, okay? Uh, Sermon on the Mount, the Good Commission from Matthew 10. I'll call that the Good Commission. The Call to the Cross, Matthew 16. The Kingdom Chronicles, Matthew 18. The Final Public Appeal, Matthew 21 to 23. The Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24. Believe and be saved uh, to Jewish people, John 3. To Gentile people, John 4. And then the Bread of Life, John 6. And then the Last Words and Testament, John 13 to 17. All right, so that's what those are, and you have them in your notes there. Um, what I'd like us to do next week, and, and maybe you can work on this a little bit on your own, is, is organize those about when Jesus taught them. Um, I'll just give you the first one. Anyone want to stab at, take a stab at what, chronologically, what was the first occurrence here from these nine big discourses and teachings that Jesus gave? What do you think occurred first? All right, somebody step out, be a real brave person. Hey, I've been talking for at least 20 minutes, okay? So somebody else can be brave. What would you guess? Out of one through nine, which one of those do you think occurs first in the chronology of Jesus' teaching? What's that? All right, we'll give you $20. Danny has a $20 bill that he's going to give the person who gets it right. What do you think, Peggy? Seven? You got it! All right, very good. Very good, all right. What's interesting is a, a big chunk of these fall in one area, and a big chunk of them fall... Actually, they all, most of them fall within the last year of Jesus' life. Um, but a lot of them fall within the final week, uh, and, 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 uh, and we'll get to that here. Let me just... Uh, We'll, we'll try that next week. But, but um, uh, most of them come right here at John 6 and after is where most of these occur. Uh, and then, of course, three of them occur right here. Um, but but only, only two of them are way back here uh, toward the beginning. Okay, so what do we do with this? Let's take a minute with this as far as a primary application. Um, a primary application we should all take from this is to listen. Um, we have surveyed very quickly all the teaching of Jesus and tried to summarize it in a way that, that helps us solidify it 
uh, around his name, Messiah, uh, King, uh, the Anointed One. Uh, but, but I just love the Father's instruction to us here from Mark 9. This is an amazing scene. Uh, one, of the, one of the only scenes that's mentioned in each of the Gospels. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke. I believe it's John. Maybe John doesn't. Um, anyway, let's look at Mark, Mark 9, 1 to 9. It's a very important portion right before Peter acknowledges Jesus' messiahship. Jesus was saying to them, Truly, I say to you, there are some who are standing here who will not taste of death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. Can you imagine being there? Uh, there's a high mountain. Where are we going, Jesus? Uh, just these three. Special occasion. As they're talking, Jesus becomes brilliant. He is glowing. He is showing them his glory as his Shekinah glory, really. He's letting his Shekinah glory show. Right? This is not happening with Moses and Elijah. This is happening with Jesus. There is a difference with Jesus. He became exceedingly white as no longer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. This was during Sukkah, right? The, the time where you set up these booths and remember the wilderness wandering. Because there you saw the Shekinah glory on the mountain. Peter's always talking when he should be listening. He didn't know what to say, so he just starts talking. Let's make some booths up here. Then a cloud overshadowed. Jesus the light, then the cloud comes. And a voice from the cloud says, This is my beloved Son. What does he say? Listen. Listen. The kingdom of God has come. Listen. So many voices clamoring for our attention. So many pictures and images and videos. This is the one thing that's necessary. Listen. Let the words come into your ears. Receive them as truth and obey. Right? If, if I ask my kids to clean up the living room, they can listen. And they can listen. Right? What does listening mean? It means, okay, sweetly, completely, obediently, right? clean up the living room. The Father is speaking to all the followers of Jesus and saying, this is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Nothing's there. It's totally dark again. And it's just Jesus. God wanted to emphatically tell us, tell you and me, this is God's Son. These are the words of God. Listen to Him. Stop pushing it off. He tells you to follow Him. Stop going your own way. You're ruining your life. Believe in Him. Receive the message of the good news of the gospel. Receive his forgiveness and follow him. 
Put down the nets that serve yourself and pick up the nets that serve Christ. Respond to the call to repent and believe Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, Savior and King. And I trust that you've done that today. Um, that you have left all and followed him. Uh, let me just read these questions and we'll be done. Have you responded to the call to repent and believe him? Uh, have you this week been tempted as you follow him to look back um, to stop following? Because it is difficult. Uh, perhaps it's because you have not made this one thing necessary your primary priority. G.K. Chesterton said it this way, Jesus' teaching has never been tried and found wanting. It has only been found difficult and not tried. Have you made time for this one thing necessary this past week? Will you make time for this one thing necessary this coming week? And maybe you're watching online. Let me just say, if you have not, let me challenge you, if you have not, Uh, spent time reading the words of Jesus, pick up the Gospel of Mark this week, so short, and read through that. Listen to his message. Listen to this one thing that is necessary for us. Many strings tugging at our heart's list, tasks become troubling, all that insist, time and attention hard to resist. Sand is sinking, time is fleeting, always bringing burdens to carry. But one thing is what? Necessary. Listen to our glorious Lord, speaking through his holy word. Heaven help us, grow and fill us, that we look more like Jesus by his words abiding in us. Let's pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me encourage you, even in the quietness of this moment, Pastor Andrew will close us in a prayer, but just talk to the Lord in this closing moment. Uh, Ask him to speak to you through his word. Um, If you've never trusted him, turn to him and say, I believe in you, I trust in you. If you'd like to pray with someone, I'll be standing in the back in the lobby and be happy to pray with you. Let's all respond to his message in prayer.